Yeah, I'm going to get my worship on because it's a beautiful day. Amen? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Are you glad to be here? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. That's right. Well, I'm glad you are here. And I'm also glad to tell you that we had our first 8 o'clock service this morning. And we have 47 people here. That's a great number. And we have five families that have not been able to come back to worship who came back to worship this morning. So that was very, very exciting. So we're glad that you are here. I think, Brent, we need to have just a little competition, though. I don't know. You know, 8 o'clock service, 10, 15 service. Yeah, we, we just have a little team, team contest here. So won't you be sure to invite everybody you can to come and worship with us 1015, and we'll tell the 8 o'clock folks to do the same thing. We'll just see what happens, all right? But anyway, pardon me? Oh, time change. That's right. Next week. So if you come, if you don't change your clock, you're going to have a great time in Sunday school. Okay? All right. So be sure we're going to fall back next week. So be sure and set your clocks uh, for that. So that's a great idea also. All right. Well, listen. This is the last week in our Love Thy Neighborhood um, series. It's a beautiful day. And we want to look at a scripture that's real popular um, among Christians, among churches. But I really want to take the time today to set it up for you. Because so often we, do, we fail to look at the context of a certain scripture. So I want to do that today. And I uh, hope you'll get your worship app. Get that device out, go to that right corner, go up there, click on events, get all the scriptures and all the stuff that you need there. But we want to look at Matthew chapter 25 day, and, and it was um, 1971. It was 1971 that State Farm, I always like to plug businesses, you know, State Farm came out with the, with the slogan, the slogan that said, just like a good neighbor, State Farm is here. And what they were saying was, in the most difficult times, and the hard times, you can count on State Farm to be there. Well, I like the idea, so I decided to snag that, but not entirely, because we don't want to talk about just like a good neighbor. We want to talk about just like the good neighbor. And, of course, the good neighbor is Jesus Christ. So I want to show us today, how can we today, bringing something, watch, not from the Old Testament past, but into the, from the future and bring it into 2020, how can we be just like the good neighbor. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse number 31, I believe this. Is that right? Yeah, 31. Boy, have you noticed how you get older and you can't see well? It's like crazy. Are y'all glad to be here again? All right, you got to be excited now, okay? You got to be excited, all right? All right, let's look at Matthew chapter chapter 25, verse 31. Again, I'll show you, I'll, I'll develop this and show you where we're going and how we're going, and you're going to recognize the scripture. Now, in verse number 31 of Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says this, and this is why we need to set this up. This is when this, you know. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory. Hmm, that's interesting. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him. Somebody say all. Now, in case you haven't figured it out, that's a lot of angels. Um, I think it's like 10 million approximately. One, one scripture referenced that and multiplies out to around 10 million. And that's probably way low. But all the angels with Him... Then, at that time, he will sit upon his glorious throne. So, so this then is a certain event, all right, coming up in the future. And again, the Son of Man will come and come to earth with all those angels. He will sit upon his glorious throne. So when is that? When is that? What is the timing of what's about, we're about to find out about? Well, I want to tell you that. Okay. Now, again, one thing I've learned about the future when you talk about the, the end times my goodness, I realize how much I don't know. 
Okay. In fact, a lot of us, we all don't really know all the details, but t- the story today really lines up with a lot of conservative theologians like, you know, like you are, like we are. Our theology kind of lines up there. But there's like a zillion, there's a zillion different interpretations of the end times. But, but here's what it kind of looks like. So, so imagine with me sometime in the future, if you've been to church a, a little bit, you've heard about something called the rapture. The rapture. And the rapture, um, it means caught up, caught away. Um, it's really the word rapture doesn't even occur in the Bible, but that's what it means. And it's that time when Jesus Christ will come in the clouds and he will uh, resurrect all the believers in Christ. They will get resurrected. Their bodies are united with their spirits and they go up. And then if we happen to be alive at that time, okay, then we also will be caught up to be with him uh, in the air. Now, that happens, that initiates, that kicks off um, the period of time called the Great Tribulation. So we have the rapture, and immediately following that is this time called the Great Tribulation. Now, here's the amazing thing. If the rapture happens, all right, that means at that point in time, that moment in time, there's not one saved person on earth. So can you imagine an earth, okay, where there's no Christians, no Christian. That's really pretty frightening if you think about it. Well, it sets up that time because this seven and a half years is, is horrible. It's a time when, when the Antichrist and, and the false prophet move in and take control. It's a time of great judgment. The first three and a half years are bad, and the second three and a half years are horrible. And during this time, at the initial of it, every saved person leaves, and so the world is lost. But fortunately, people will be saved. Because the word of God will still be here. There will be copies of the Bible. There are going to be people who went to church every week who didn't quite make the cut. And they're going to go, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, they're going to place their faith in Christ. And people are going to find copies of the word of God. And they're going to come to faith in Christ. And during the tribulation, many, many, many people will be saved. And and in mass, not as a nation, but individually, but in mass, the nation of Israel is going to come to the knowledge and realization that Jesus is the Messiah. And again, not as a nation, individually, though they will place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So for the seven and a half years of judgment and, and, and Satan having free reign, man, a chunk, a huge chunk of the population is killed. But some do survive. And so at the end of seven years... Okay, um, we take, you know, Jesus takes the false prophet and, and, and the beast and throw them in the lake of fire for a thousand years. And so at the end of the seven years, then he's setting up the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. So that is when that is when he actually he, he does his deal with Satan on to release him later. We don't have time to talk about that. OK, but then then Jesus reigns on the earth and he sets up this judgment called the judgment of the nations. Now keep in mind, just like today, there's two kinds of people, right? Did you know that? Only two kinds of people. There are people who have trusted Christ and people who have not. There's two kinds of people there are. Well, at the end of the tribulation, all right, there's going to be two kinds of people. There's going to be people who have trusted Christ and people who have not. And the Jews over here, again, in mass and large, but individually, have trusted Christ, so they're out there. But there are two kinds of people, and Jesus calls them sheep and goats. And he's going to judge those people who come out of the tribulation, okay? He's going to judge them. Let's look at verse number, number 32 and 33. The Bible says, all the nations. Somebody say all. See, see, he's bringing all the angels, and then he turns around and bring, puts all the nations. So all the nations will be gathered in his presence. Now, that is not an optional deal. 
You know, people go say, I ain't got time for God. I ain't got, you know, God, I ain't got time for church doing a little of the golf thing today, you know? And, and you know, we, we kind of tell God kind of like when we'll meet with him and when we won't. Okay, well, and when this happens, no choice. He's going to gather all the Gentile nations will be gathered in his presence. And then he is going to separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So he's going to do a little separating. He's going to do a little calling, if you will, okay? And the Gentile nations and the people who are saved are going to be on his right, your left. And then the people who are lost are going to be on his left hand. You know, it's really weird. In Africa, even today, in the Muslim world and in Africa, the left hand's just like dirty. I mean, and I'm left-handed. That's really like not fair. Okay, but anyway, so so left hand is the bat, you know, the goats, and right hand is the sheep, all right? And so he's going to separate, he will place, in verse 33, he will sh- uh, place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Now, here's what's really significant about that, is that in Africa, and in the Middle East, by the way, and in the Middle East, the sheep and goats look almost exactly alike. You can't really tell. You know, over here in America, you know, they got the woolly thing going on. You know, those are not the sheep he's talking about. These sheep have the short hair just like a goat, all right? And, and there's like a little trick to know if, if it's a sheep or a goat. I really didn't do very well with this, but that's okay. Um, if, if it's a goat, it flips his tail up. So, so when, a, when a goat's standing around, looking around, walking, his little tail is up, okay? And if it's a sheep, his little tail is down. See, y'all, listen, y'all need to come to church. You learn all kind of biological facts, Okay, so, so if you're ever in Africa, okay, or the Middle East, if, let's say you take a trip to the Holy Land, check it out. If it goes like this, it's a goat. If it tails down, it's a sheep, all right? Now, here's the deal. That happens in Africa, but here's the deal. No matter how a goat or sheep hold their tail, they're different with their DNA. Doesn't matter how much they look alike, okay? It, it doesn't matter if a sheep goes, well, I want to be a goat. And so he learns how to flip his tail up. Flipping his tail up doesn't make him a goat. What does? His DNA. His DNA. And what separates these people when Jesus brings them together and puts them on the left and the right, their spiritual DNA is what separates them, not the way they act. Their spiritual DNA separates them, not the way they act. Now, here's the deal. You, I mean, you really need to do this. Um, if you go to YouTube, okay, and look up David Attenborough, he's the guy who did the Planet Earth series. I got the British accent, great narrator. And look up the liar bird. Now, let me spell that for you. L-Y-R-E. L-Y-R-E bird. Okay, it's really incredible. So, so this bird, okay, um, has the incredible ability to mimic things. Okay? It can, it can sing 20 different songs and 20 different birds. So, I mean, it, he's so good at it that the birds themselves can't tell the difference. That's how good. All right? Now, here's the deal. Does that lyre bird become one of those 20 birds when he starts singing like it? No, because his DNA doesn't change. He's still a lyre bird. But here's what's really crazy. You, trust, you've got you've to go. You, do, you have to do this. Okay. Not only can this lyre bird sing different songs, it can mimic human sounds. God, trust me. So they show this bird. And somehow this bird has heard a camera click. 
Yeah, camera. You know your iPhone when you hit the click button, it goes, Choo-choo. okay, this bird's going, Choo-choo. Choo-choo. and it sounds just like a camera. Don't y'all find that amazing? You're, you're going to hurt my feelings if you don't find it amazing. Okay, and, okay. but then, remember the old days when you had film cameras and it had the motorized thing on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that bird's going, and it sounds just like it, but listen to this. Listen to this. They, re- they recorded it making a sound like a chainsaw. And it didn't sound like a chainsaw. It sounded like a chainsaw. You gotta look it up. You gotta look it up. And then Julie and I were watching another series, another show where it featured the same bird. And the bird had lived around a playground, and it had learned to mimic the sounds of children playing on the playground. And Julie and I were looking at each other, going, "You are kidding me! Tell me God didn't make a great world, Amen? Tell me God didn't make a great world." But here's the deal. If the liar bird sounds like a chainsaw, does it become a chainsaw? Well, no. You know why? Its DNA doesn't change. So it's really important as we look at this sheep and goat thing, it's not about action as much as it's about DNA. Your DNA has to be changed for you to go to heaven. All right, so we're going to move down a little further. In verse number 34, the Bible says, So then, you know, Jesus has got them separated, all right? Then the king will say to those on the right, the sheep, the position of honor, he'll say to those in right, hey, come on. It's a a great invitation to a blessing. He says, come you who are blessed by my father, okay? Inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the creation of the world. Well, it's a great invitation. You know, God's saying, Jesus is saying, hey, come on. Come on in. God's created a kingdom just for you. Come and join it. And he, and he created it before the foundations of the world. And you're going, wow. How about that? And then Jesus says these words. And, and what he says, and this is where it starts getting real familiar. Okay? In verse 35 and 36, he starts saying some things that these people did for other people. Okay? Now, I'll go ahead and let you in. The other people were those saved Jews I was talking about. Okay? He says, hey, I was hungry, and you fed me. Um, I, I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Now, here's what makes this so significant. During this time of tribulation, when this has taken place... I mean, first off, the Antichrist hated anybody that had anything to do with God. But he really hated Jews who had something to do with Jesus as Messiah, as God. So it was dangerous, it was expensive, it was risky, it was pricey. And so so when Jesus says, I was hungry and I was thirsty and, and I was a stranger and I was naked and I was sick in prison, and you helped, it was a dangerous thing. It was a crazy dangerous thing. And yet these people did it. Did it. Now again, now again, keep in mind, they didn't do it to become a Christ follower. They did it because they were Christ followers. See, that's huge. That's huge. See, this list, this list of compassion, I call it compassion. This list of compassion is like an artist, okay? Okay? And it's like Jesus is painting a self-portrait. 
and, and he's painting, you know, I was hungry and he, the brush strokes and I was thirsty and I was a stranger, I was naked, I was sick and I was in prison. And it's just like an artist is painting a picture of Jesus Christ. Because these things that they did are the exact things Jesus would do. So when you see this list, you see a portrait of Christ. Would Jesus feed the hungry? What do you think? Huh? Okay, would Jesus take a risk and, and give water to the thirsty? Yeah, yeah, right on down the list. You know, if, if he saw a stranger, would he take him in? Yeah, was, if he saw somebody with no clothes, would he give clothes? Yes. If somebody was sick, would he, yeah, he would. And was in prison? Yes, he would. So this is a beautiful portrait of Christ. And here's the, here's the fact. Here's the truth. We should be like Jesus. Even, even, listen, even when it's risky, even when it could cost your life, even in times of COVID, Okay? We should be like Jesus. I'm telling you, there's a great fear of mine. And only fact, it's a fact. The church is talking way too much about COVID and not enough about Jesus. I mean, all I hear across the ways is COVID, COVID, COVID. What happened to Jesus? What happened to what we are about? But Dwayne is dangerous. It was dangerous during the tribulation. But they did it anyway. They did it anyway. So he says in verse number 37 through 39, Jesus does. I'm sorry, the righteous says. Then these righteous ones will say, Lord, 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 when did we ever see you hungry? We don't remember that. Um, when, when were you thirsty? We don't remember that. Um, when were you a stranger? I don't, I don't remember you being a stranger. Uh, I don't remember you being naked. I don't remember you being sick in prison. You know, the, the, the righteous ones are going... Jesus, we don't remember doing this to you. And here's the part we know. But now you know the background. Here's what Jesus said in verse number 40. And the king will say, I want to tell you something. In fact, I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth is, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus said, in this dangerous situation when, when you could be killed for helping a Jew, in these dangerous situations when you could be killed for doing anything good, you did it to them. And when you did it to them, it was like doing it to me. Now, now what, what did we learn? What's the big takeaway from this? Well, when we minister to the broken, when we minister to the hurting, it's like we're ministering, Dave, to Jesus. Now listen, we can't lose sight of this. We, we can't let pandemics, we can't let racism, we can't let politics cause us to lose our focus and our vision about what we are about. We're about reaching out and loving people in Jesus' name. And when we love people in Jesus' name, when we're willing to take a risk in Jesus' name, when we're willing to give in Jesus' name, you know, we got the shoebox thing coming up. You know, that's about a $25 per box commitment. When you've got that going on, when we're willing to do that in Jesus' name, Jesus is glorified. And people want what we've got. We must not get distracted from what really, really matters. When you did it to the least of these, you know, you were doing it for me. When you do that to the least of these, you're taking a DA test 
and it comes up, I belong to Jesus. Now listen, doing things don't make you belong to Jesus. But doing things shows you belong to Jesus. Hey, when you get home today, uh, pick up the gospel, or, yeah, the, the epistle James of James, the half-brother of Jesus, and read it. You know, I didn't say this earlier, but you know James says faith without works is dead. He's saying, he's saying the kind of faith that you advertise that doesn't love people, there's something wrong with that kind of faith. Faith doesn't, you know, works do not save us, but it shows our DNA. It shows how we belong to. So the question then becomes, even when it's difficult and hard, are we going to be like Jesus? Well, we've got our friends over here. Have you all noticed the goats over here? They're standing there kind of waiting their turn. And so Jesus turns to them in verse 41 and says this. Then the king will turn to those on the left, the goats, and will say, away with you. Wait, 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 wait. The sheep, on the, on the right hand, the sheep, he says, come, come. When he gets to the goats, he says, away with you. Wait, wait, there, there's something different here, isn't there? You know what's different? The DNA, the DNA. See, the sheep had the DNA of Jesus. The goats have the DNA of the devil. So he says, away with you, you cursed ones. Wait, 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 wait. The sheep were blessed ones. And these are cursed ones. Oh, Dwayne, were they cursed ones because they didn't do what they should have done? No. They were cursed ones because they did not believe in Christ and they did not get his DNA. You've got to, you've got to grasp that. You've got to grasp that. Um, you know, he said, he said you, you know, away with you cursed ones into eternal fire prepare for the devil and his, and his demons. And, and, and then you know, the sheep say, Jesus says, come, come to the kingdom prepared for you. Before the foundation of the world was laid. And then, then Jesus says to these, you know, you're going to eternal fire, but not prepared for you, prepare for the devil and his angels. So let's get two big truths, okay? And if you're, again, if you've got your app out, you might want to take a note on this. Number one, and it's so important, it's so important. They weren't condemned because of their actions. They were condemned because they failed to believe. Let me tell you something. Sin, obviously, is an indicator of your DNA. Holiness is a sign of your DNA. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. These people, these goats, did not believe in Jesus. And there's one thing that's going to send you to a place called hell. And that is, you don't believe in Jesus. You don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. You get to heaven because you believe in Jesus. You get to hell because you don't. It's that simple. That's why it's so important we keep the gospel clear. It's all about Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? We've got to get the word out. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being baptized. It's not about giving a certain amount of money to the church. Heaven and hell are all about what will I do with Jesus? Will I believe in him turning from my sin or will I not believe and stay in my sin? These guys were destined for hell because they didn't believe. Well, Dwayne, you got a little scripture to go with that? You know that I do. James chapter 3, verse 18, Jesus speaking. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Somebody say amen. Again, he didn't say whoever, whoever believes and is baptized, whoever believes and goes to church, whoever believes and stops that and starts that, whoever believes and gets lost. He didn't say that. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Not Baptist, not Catholic, not Methodist. Not how well you keep the rules. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but watch this. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Well, why? Why? Why, John? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. But works indicate what we have done with God's grace. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. Big truth number two. And you already heard it. Hell was not created for man, but for the devil and his angels. You know, people say, you need this. People say, how can a good God send people to hell? God sends no one to hell. In fact, in fact, if a person goes to hell, they have to step over the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, Jesus did everything he could so that men did not have to spend eternity in a place called hell that was not even prepared for them. He died that they could have, we could have forgiveness of sins. Hell was not prepared for man. But when you reject Jesus Christ, God gives you exactly what you want. Eternally separated from Him. Amen? Hard but so true. Hard but so true. 1 Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yes, the way is narrow. But the invitation is broad. Anyone can come to Jesus. Well, Jesus continues in verse 42. It's the opposite now. He says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, you didn't give me clothing. And I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Again, the list of compassion were indicators of DNA. So is this list. The, the sheep's DNA was we have trusted Jesus. This is a list of those who have not. You didn't visit. You didn't hunger. It doesn't save you. But it's an indicator of your DNA. In this case, the DNA that does not belong to Jesus. This list of neglects, just like the list of compassions, was a portrait of Jesus. This is a list, a portrait of self and Satan. Self. And Satan. <laughs> they say in verse 44, wait, 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 Lord. Um, when did we see you hungry? Uh, you see, we didn't see you, Jesus, so it doesn't count. Um, you know, we, we didn't see you hungry, or we didn't see you thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and, and not help you. We didn't see. They didn't see because they weren't looking. They didn't see because they weren't looking. Well, that held water until I read the next verse. Because verse 45 says, and he will answer, and I'll tell you the truth. When you refused to help, wasn't they didn't see him 
or see them. They, called, they thought the price too expensive, Mama T. They thought it too dangerous. They thought it too costly. So simple put, they refused to help. You refused to help. The least of these, my brothers, my brothers and sisters. And when you did that, you were rejecting me. When you rejected them, you were rejecting me. Wow. Wow. So in verse 46, the Bible says, And they, the goats, will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. You see, there's, there's these two destinies for man. And you need to understand they're real. It is very unpopular today to talk about hell. I think they think maybe we're going to offend somebody. Huh? Man, we're trying to keep you from going there. Andy Stanley says the gospel is offensive, and maybe some ways it is. But the bottom line is hell is a real place. The idea, the idea that a person dies and then just that's the end, you certainly won't find that in the Bible. You certainly won't find that in the Bible. Hell is a real place. It's a place of eternal punishment. But you know what? Heaven's a real place. Last Saturday, a week ago, we had a service for Sandy Hunt. We mourned. We shed tears. But we celebrated. You don't want to know why? Sandy's DNA was right. She knew Jesus. She knew Jesus. She, she did lots of good stuff. But she didn't go to heaven because she did good stuff. Sandy went to heaven because she trusted Jesus Christ. As Savior. And and there's these two destinies that are hanging out there. One is eternal death. And Revelation 21.8 says that. But the cowardly, it's like a short list. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. It's called the second death. That's one destiny. And if you reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that is your destiny. That's your destiny. Dwayne, is there another choice? Well, I already told you there was. Eternal life. Here's what the Bible says about eternal life in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. You know, no, no tears in heaven. No tears in heaven. Um, there will be no more death. Somebody say Amen. Um, there'll be no more mourning, like M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Um, no more crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Two destinies. The cowardly and unbelieving, the vile murderers, people who reject Christ, sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolatrous liars, their place will be in the lake of fire. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things, the older, old order of things has passed away. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you just can't be. One day your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Jesus in verse 5 says this. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Aren't, aren't you glad you got a God who's going to make everything new? You know, I, keep, I, I said 
and I missed it. I'd be the first one to say, I thought in a couple months all of this would be gone and still with us. And I don't know where it's going to disappear in the future. But I do know this. He's making all things new. There's coming a day when all things will be new. I am making everything new, he said. Write this down. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. You can trust them. You can trust the part where if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, no matter how big your sin list, no matter how much you messed up, no matter what you've done, His grace is sufficient, Joe. His grace is sufficient. It doesn't depend on you. It's on what He did. All He asks you to do is put your faith and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, and what He did on a Roman cross, being willing to repent, that is, turn from your sin and follow Him. That's all He asks. These words are faithful and true. But so is the other side. If you think for a moment, God's going to wink and say, you can come on in. The Jesus thing didn't matter that much. You're going to be sorely disappointed. Because the Jesus thing is everything. The Jesus thing is everything. Tomorrow, is my spiritual birthday. October 26, 1975, 45 years ago, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I was 21 years old, and I had 20 years of religion. It wasn't like I wasn't in church. I was a three-time believer from almost when I was a kid, okay? I was a worship leader when I got saved. I sang in a gospel quartet. I was just a good kid, religiously good kid. I was lost as a goose. And finally... On a Sunday morning in between Sunday school and church, after hearing about a deacon who had put their faith in Jesus, he realized even as a deacon he was lost. And it's like God spoke, I can save him, Dwayne, and I can save you. And that day, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That day, my DNA changed. That night, By the way, just in case you don't know this, that doesn't mean I became perfect. I became forgiven. Forgiven. My DNA changed. I went from the goat pen to the sheep pen based on one thing, my belief in Jesus Christ. He will do the very same for you. So if you're here today, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front, and, and we would love to. We'll come and we'll explain to you about what it means to become a follower of Christ and, and what the expectations are, what the commitment is. You know, we will. We will explain that to you. Man, if you don't know Jesus, today's your day. If you're on Facebook, man, today should be your day to trust Jesus Christ. If you're listening on the radio, if you're in the North parking lot, wherever you might be, I'm telling you today could be your day, should be your day, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people I'm speaking to today are already in the sheep pen. And you're going, whew, boy, glad I nailed that one down a while. I don't want to bust your bubble. But you see, we have this commitment still. We got the PPE, personal protection equipment. And when, when we read this thing coming down and bring it into our lives today, you know, there are principles and premises and experiences that we need to bring into our lives. And it's hugely important. Because you see, even though we have been forgiven of our sins, the penalty of our sins, there's still a judgment for us. Dwayne, I, I thought, I thought, yeah, relax. This judgment is not about heaven or hell. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're going to heaven. But there is something we're accountable for, and that's called our lives. What will we do to the least of these? What will we do for the least of these? 
what will we do about being like Jesus? See, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul said, For we all must appear. Somebody say all. Okay, so he's talking to Christians. So every Christian, every Christian must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So there's an accountability time. Not for the penalty of your sin. If you trusted Jesus, the penalty's taken care of. Well, Dwayne, what's it all about? Okay, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. There's an accountability time. What did we do with the least of these? What did we do as individual Christians about the least of these? Because Paul ends the sentence by saying, whether good or evil. It's about rewards or lack of rewards. But there is a time of accountability. What will you do with that accountability? What will you do in our text with the least of these? Will we count it too dangerous, too costly? Too time-consuming? Or will we feed, give to drink, visit the sick and go to the prisons? Will we clothe the naked? What will we do? Well, our DNA, our DNA demands that we act like Jesus. If we are Jesus people, then we should act like Jesus. COVID or not, doesn't matter. Easy or not, it doesn't matter. We are called. What will you do with Jesus? Would you bow your heads right there, please? Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate it so much. And I hope this has given you a little more clarity about this wonderful scripture that we love. We hear it all the time. We hear it all the time about the least of these. But I hope that the context gives you clarity in that. For those of you who know Jesus, it's not like you're going to have to keep working for your salvation. I hope you heard that clearly. Once your DNA is changed, it is changed. Once you're born again, you're born again. Once you're saved, you're saved. But we do have an obligation to live and act like Jesus. And if you're here today, you're listening on Facebook or in this room, this is not an invitation for you to become a Baptist. It's not an invitation for you to join a church. It's an invitation for you to receive the greatest gift ever, eternal life and forgiveness of your sins. What will you do? Jesus. God, thank you for this privilege today of sharing. Father, help us to take it seriously. Especially, Father, for those of us who do know we're Christians, that we're Christ followers. In these dangerous days of COVID, what an opportunity to speak in the hearts of those who might be afraid and fearful. To be a friend when they're friendless. Lord Jesus, help us to act and be and Father, there's a friend here today, either on Facebook or on the radio, who has never made this great commitment. May today be the day they put their faith and trust in you. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name.